words that were used to, that God used in the New Testament to describe sin. And that was, uh, the one was that of missing the mark, and then the other one was that of iniquity. And um, just uh, in the New Testament alone, um, sin in some form or fashion is mentioned um, about 227 times in the New Testament alone. So the Lord had a lot, uh, not only in the Old Testament, but also had a lot to say um, in the New Testament about the thing of sin. And so this week I want us to look at um, the, the, what we know, as humanly speaking, um, when sin affected the human race in Genesis uh, chapter number 3. And I want us to look this morning at the result of of sin, and a lot of times, you know, people um, they never think about the result of sin. They only think about the enjoyment or the pleasure that sin brings. Now, we could all say here, sit, try to be super spiritual and say that sin is not pleasurable, but let's just be real honest: it is. Matter of fact, the Bible even says this about Moses that he, um, instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. So sin is enjoyable. However, what it brings is not enjoyable. And so I want us to look this morning at the result that sin brings in Genesis chapter number 3. Very familiar passage. I want you to notice in verse number 1, the Bible says, Genesis 3, verse 1, Now the, spirit was, uh, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the, every tree of the garden. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat, it, eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth knoweth in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who, who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, thank you for the love that is found in Christ Jesus. And thank you for the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to rightly divide the word of truth this morning. 
And God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts as we deal with this very important issue. And God, I pray that you would not be something that we just hear for a few moments, but it would be something that you would burn it in our minds and our hearts as we go about our week and the days ahead. And we'll be careful to give you the honor and give you glory. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, sin is a very, is a very serious thing, and it is oftentimes uh, um, people do not think about the consequences of sin. And I, I read one time a man made the statement, he said, you can choose your sin, but you cannot choose the consequence that that sin brings. And that is reality. Sin is something that um, is always a price tag to it, and, and most of the time it always costs us more than what we think it is going to cost us. So I want you to notice, first of all, the result of sin here that we see. The first thing that we see that takes place is that that sin brings a division. Notice verse number 8, the Bible says that God come walking in the, cool, uh, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, it must have been a normal thing for God to um, come and meet with Adam and Eve in the garden. It must have been something that was, uh, that was looked forward to. And, and, um, and so they would fellowship together during this time. But, but this time it is different than all the times before. The reason being is because sin has changed everything. The, one of the, uh, the primary reasons that God made man was to have fellowship and to have communion with. And so now that has been done away with because of sin. And so how, how their hearts must, must have used to uh, jump with joy as they would hear the voice of God walking into the uh, garden to fellowship th- with them. And I, I can almost imagine that they are... Um, as they would, they would run towards his voice as a, as a child would run towards their father if he has been gone for some time. And, and the, the thrill it would have been for them to, to be able to just spend time with their heavenly father. But because of sin, they are no longer running to God, uh, but now they are running from God. And though it has been many, many years since this account has, that was given to us, reality of it is, is that's still what sin does. It causes a person not to run to God, but it causes a person to run from God. And most of the time what takes place is that the division between God and His children. Notice, and that, there again, that is the way that sin works. It causes division between us and our Heavenly Father. Isaiah 59 and verse number 2, the Bible says this, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you, that He will not hear. So we find that sin severs the fellowship that is between the Father and His, and his children. And reality of it is today is there's a lot of people that, that used, to, used to love to fellowship with God and used to long to fellowship with God and love to uh, spend time in the Word of God and spend time praying and, and spend time where God, and, and places where God was. Uh, but instead of running to those places now, they run from those places. And the reason being is because uh, somewhere, somehow... A sin has entered into their life, and instead of 
asking God to forgive them of their sin and to cleanse them from their sin and to restore the fellowship that was between them and God, uh, uh, the guilt, the embarrassment uh, oftentimes keeps them from running towards God. Now I do want to say this, not only does sin cause division uh, between us and God, uh, anything that sin gets involved with causes division. If sin gets in a marriage, it'll cause division between the husband and a wife. If sin gets in, in a family, it causes division between the family. If sin gets in a friendship, it causes division among that friendship. Uh, sin is the ultimate uh, divider. And we have to do everything we can to guard ourselves and guard our relationships uh, uh, to keep from sin uh, causing division among us uh, and then also causing division among us uh, and our Heavenly Father. Uh, so just as we see that sin caused division uh, among Adam and Eve and God, uh, uh, it will cause division among us and, and God. It will cause division among church. It will cause division among families, division among... Um, uh, you know, it's a sad, sad thing uh, that uh, in, in our day that there's so much... Uh, um, there's so many people that have, that have taken, uh, uh, used to take a stand against sin, uh, but now because they have a family member that is involved in sin, uh, instead of taking a stand against it, uh, they are condoning it. They are saying it's okay because my family member is involved in this. If it was sin before your family member was involved, it's still sin after your family member gets involved. And God help us as Christians to stand up against sin. That, that's the only way. That's, listen, a person will never be able to find hope in their sin if they don't have somebody to point them towards Christ. And so oftentimes we, our, our stance against sin is situational. It depends on if somebody we love or is involved in that sin and and you say, well, well preacher, I, I, somebody I loved is involved with that sin. And that's why you need to tell them that, 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 that sin is causing division between you and them. That fellowship that you used to have can't be there and can't be as sweet as it used to be. And it's not because you, it's because of their sin. And so many times people, and listen, I, and I, I hope that this, this is easy preaching and hard living to understand I understand that, but listen, uh, we've got to get to the place uh, uh, to where we tell, we'll, we'll, people we love uh, will tell, listen, you're either going to choose me or you're going to choose your sin. Because I can't, I can't fellowship with you if you're involved in, in morality. I, I can't, boy, it's awful quiet. I, I can't, I can't, listen, there's some things... Uh, if some things of my if my family gets involved in some things, I'll just be honest. They're not going to be able to come around my children. Because I don't want my children having the idea that openly living in ungodliness I accept. Well, because what kind of father would I be if I stand up on Sunday and preach against sin, but invite sin in my house on Monday? That's a good way to make sure my children die and go to hell. Because daddy's a hypocrite. Daddy's doing one thing on Sunday, but he's allowing something else in his house on Monday. 
You say, preacher, that's harsh. That is the reality of sin. It causes division. And that's why we have to, as a, as a children, raise our children with the understanding that sin never brings people together. It always divides them. But yet so many times we have this idea and we have this, uh, this way of thinking that, that we will change our stance on sin based upon circumstances but we should never change our ideas upon sin because of circumstances. We should, we should stand, on our, we should stand uh, uh, against sin because based on the Scriptures. You say, well, preacher, we're supposed to love them. You're exactly right. But it does not mean I'm supposed to sit down and eat with them. Christ loved sinners, but He didn't go, he didn't go home and spend the night with them. Who did He spend the night with? His disciples. Christ loved sinners, but He didn't yoke up with them. What did He do? He told them to repent. He showed them that He loved them, and He told them that if you want deliverance from sin, I am the way and the truth and the life, but I'm not condoning it. And so we have to understand, listen, we have to understand and teach, teach our children growing up. I, I remember as growing up, there were some things that was instilled in me. It was instilled in me that if I was, ever got on drugs, need not to come back home. You say, your, your grandparents wouldn't have done that. I didn't give them the chance to because I was scared they would. I, it was instilled with me, if you go to jail, don't call me to come bail you out because I'll leave you there. You say, they wouldn't do that to me. I didn't give them the chance to find out. Because I knew that I knew they meant what they said. There were some other things, other things about sexual immorality. I was told if you get involved in sexual immorality, don't need to come back to our house. You say that's harsh. I tell you what it did, it kept me straight. It kept me from making some mistakes. Because they instilled in me that, that my sin would cause division between me and them. But yet so many people nowadays, there is, no, there, there is no consequence for sin. You can live any way you want to, do anything you want to. You, you can still be involved in church. You can still sing in the choir. You can still teach Sunday school. You can still do this. You can still do that. You can still come to all the family functions. There's no division because of sin anymore. And look where that has got us as a country. We don't, know, we don't know the definition between uh, what a woman is. You have to be a scientific scholar to be able to say what a woman is. You have to have, to have a medical... You can't, I mean, you don't even know what a baby is, is now at birth. You have to wait till they grow up to tell you what gender they want to be. I mean, that, that is the, that, the, that making sure there is no sin brings no division has gotten us to where we are. And that is why we have a cesspool of sin as a country. And so they, they, we always have to remember sin brings division. So we have to, we have to understand that because of this... We should do our dead level best to keep ourselves away from sin so sin does not cause division. Most importantly, with our Heavenly Father, 
but also with us. Everybody all right? Good Father's Day, isn't it? Happy Father's Day, by the way. Sin brings division. and I don't like it. You don't like it. Nobody likes it. But we can't change the facts. Sin always brings division. Not only does sin always bring division, but notice there's a self-defense that comes along with sin. Notice verse number 11. In verse number 13, through verse number 13, And he said, Who hath told thee thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And notice Adam's reply. The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And then, notice what Eve says. And the woman, and the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. There's always a self-defense that comes with sin. There's nobody ever guilty of their sin. It's always somebody else's fault. Adam said the reason he sinned was because of the woman's fault. And then the woman said the reason she sinned was a serpent's fault. Have you ever noticed people that are engroved in sin, it's never their fault? I can't tell you the people that I have talked to in prison that you talk to them and the reason they're in prison is because they had a bad mom and daddy growing up. Well, that's all well and wonderful, but what about the other thousands that had a bad mom and daddy? They're not, in jail. They're not in prison for murder. They're not in prison for armed robbery. They're not in prison for some other, other reason. But yet so many people, want to ha- they have this idea of, if it's not my fault I'm in sin, it's somebody else's fault I'm in sin. And listen, the attitude of blaming someone else, you will never find forgiveness in Christ Jesus for sin when you're blaming someone else for that sin. It's, it's not, your, it's not, my, it's not my, my mother's fault, it's not my father's fault, it's not somebody else's fault. The reason I'm in sin is because I chose to be in sin. And the reason anybody else is in sin today is they're living, if they're living in sin, if I am living in sin, the reason I'm doing that is it has to stop with me. It starts and stops with me. I can't blame someone else on my sin because they're not holding a gun to my head saying you have to do this, but it is my own self that is controlling me and my desires that is controlling me to do that. And so the reality of it is, is not only does sin bring division, but sin brings a self-defense. We don't want to admit that it's our fault. I took the boys fishing Friday and you, you don't do much fishing with kids. But I, 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 was, I was telling them, I was um, telling them how to use what they had on their fishing pole, and I would tell them, throw it out there, and as soon as it hits the water, start reeling. And when you get it reeled back in the boat, throw it back out there. As soon as it hits the water, just reel it back in. And so, so Jasper, he was doing his, and, and, I, and I got to know some hunter. He, he would throw his out there, and he'd, he'd let it sink. 
And he'd wait a few minutes, then he'd start reeling it. And I'd done told him four or five times, this is how you do it. I, I, and I, I just said, I'm just going to let it be because I know what's going to happen. And it wasn't long, he said, he hollered, he said, I got a fish. And he had a fish all right. There's about a 12-foot log down up underneath there. And I said, Hunter, I said, have you been doing what I told you to? No, sir. I said, that's why, I said, you ain't got a fish, you hung. And so I got, got the pole and I started trying to get it off and I, I, it was too deep, I couldn't do anything and so I finally just had to pull it and break it off. And I said, I'm not going to fix it right now. I said, I'll fix it in a minute, but I'm not fixing it right now. You just ain't going to have to sit there and wait a few minutes. And so as, I, as we kept going and Jasper said, Hunter, why not, aren't you fishing? And Hunter said, because Dad broke my bait. It wasn't his fault. It was my fault. Isn't that how sin works? It's not ever our fault. It's always somebody else's fault. And that is what comes along with sin. There's a self-defense that comes along with sin. Notice not only is there division and not only is there self-defense that comes along with sin, but there's a denouncement. Notice verse number 16 and 17. The Bible says unto the woman, He said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Now I want you to know, I'm not going to get into this, but I want you to notice that's two different things. He says, thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And, I, and he said unto Adam, because thou hast hearkened unto the, unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto, and unto dust thou shalt return. God gives a denouncement because of sin. Sin always brings judgment. The wheels of God's judgment grind slowly. But rest assured, they grind. You say, preacher, I know this person's been living in sin for years and God has not judged them. Be very sure it is coming. If they are God's child, judgment surely will come. And listen to me, a lot of the reasons a lot of people can live in sin and never get judged by God is because they're never really God's children. They may have repeated a prayer. They may have shook a preacher's hand. They may have been baptized till every tadpole and mentor knows their name and social security number. But friend, reality of it is, the, for whom the Lord loveth, He scourgeth. So a lot of people can live in sin that profess Christ and the reason they never judgment never comes is because they really don't know Christ. 
But for the child of God, rest assured, judgment does come. But one thing about God's judgment is always fair. God never exceeds the punishment, but His judgment is always fair. And reality of it is, there's always a price tag with sin. Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 15 says this, God, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Reality of it is, is not only is there sin to cause division and sin causes a self-defense, sin always brings denouncement. There's always going to be judgment that comes. And I, I believe wholeheartedly some of the things that we're seeing in our country is God's judgment. One of the worst judgments God can give a person is to give them exactly what they ask for. And sin always brings judgment. Not only does sin bring division and sin brings a self-defense. By the way, that self-defense always hardens a person. It always, it always hard, they always harden their heart towards the truth. They want to blame somebody else. They want to blame this circumstance or that circumstance and they'll never be able to find forgiveness in Christ Jesus by pointing the finger at someone else. Sin always brings a denouncement. It always brings judgment. But then sin always brings death. We find that this is what takes place in verse number 19. He says, Till thou, he says, for out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. We find that the moment that Adam took, partook of that fruit, he did not die physically at that moment, but he died spiritually. Not only does death, and not only does sin promise physical death, it always brings spiritual death. Remember, who, remember before you were saved, the Bible says you were spiritually dead. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So we have to, we have to understand that not only does sin bring forth a physical death, but sin brings forth a, a spiritual death. There's nothing that we can do to stop the physical death, but thank God there is something we can do to stop the spiritual death. A lot of people, um, they're doing their best to try to, to live as long as they can, and, I, I, and there's nothing wrong with that, but, but man, they, 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 our, our world is trying to develop this pill for that, and this pill for that. But ultimately, we're prolonging the inevitable, and that is physical death. Sparing the coming of the Lord Jesus in the rapture, every one of us, uh, at some time or another, there's a line that is drawn that there's no matter what you do, no matter what pill you take, no matter what machine they hook you up to, there's a line drawn that you will not cross, and I will not cross. 
We can prolong the inevitable as much as we want to, but it is going to happen one day that physical death is going to take place. And, it, and as, as heartbreaking and as, and as, as uh, hard and as uh, um, gruesome as, as physical death can be for some people, that is not the worst thing they have to fear. I've, I've, I've seen some people die very harshly. And then I have seen some people die very gracefully. And those that have died very harshly, I could only imagine experiencing physical death very harshly and leaving a harsh physical death into going into a spiritual death for eternity. I could not imagine having to do that. To go from torment on this side to torment on that side. I remember several years ago when I was in Bible college, I was working at a hospital. Um, we was running some cable and they had they had hired a another another boy to help help um, me and another guy, and uh, we was running cable through the um, attic, and it was in the summertime, and and um, I've always been a big feller, and um, I got stuck, and the one the, I tried to squeeze through one of the rafters, and it was smaller than I anticipated. And uh, I got, it was in that attic, and I thought, Lord, I'm going to die up here. And uh, I thought to myself, as hot as it was, I said, man, if I die, at least when I take my last breath, I'll feel a cool breeze. And I, I could not imagine, there again, the turmoil of dying a harsh physical death here and then having to in the moment realizing that that harshness that I felt physically is nothing compared to what I just entered into. Would you listen to Revelation chapter number 20, verse number 11, down through verse number 14. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it and whose face from the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of these things which were written in the books according to their works, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Sin always brings division. Sin always brings a self-defense with it. It always brings a denouncement. It always brings judgment. But the end result is always the same. There's physical death. 
And if that person refuses the gift that God gave, there will be that of a spiritual death. That of what the Bible calls the second death. And you know, I'm afraid that a lot of, a lot of times, you know, there's sometimes I hear people talk and they say something I know is wrong. But for the lack of not causing an argument, I just act like I didn't hear it. But I wonder how many people God sent my way for me to tell them the truth so that they wouldn't experience this second death, but for the sake of having an argument, I ignored what they said. We're all guilty of it. You have, you have somebody that you know, they, they say something that you know is biblically not correct and you just kind of shrug your shoulders because you don't want to cause an argument. But if you don't tell them the truth, who will? If I don't tell them the truth, who will? You say it'll push them further away. It can't push them no closer to hell than what they really are. We have to understand that there is a punishment for those who choose not to come to Christ. And by the way, it is their choice. It is their choice to either accept Him or reject Him. It is their choice to accept the free gift God has given or to reject it. Sin is not something we like to think about. Sin's not something we like to preach about. Sin's not something that we want to entertain the thought of. But I believe if we'd read our Bible more, we'd understand that God deals with sin a whole lot more than what well, we would think he needs to deal with it. Because sin's a very critical issue. It not only affects those that don't believe, but it affects those that do believe. And in this day, in this hour, sin's not popular. If you want to grow a, grow a church to be a large church, you don't preach on sin. But if you're going to be a church that pleases God, it's got to be a church that takes a stand against sin and a church that preaches and teaches against sin. You say, why is that, preacher? Because if there was no sin, why did Christ have to die? To, to, to say you believe in the death of Christ without believing in sin There's no way. 
to believe in the, in the, in the sacrifice that Christ paid, one has to believe in sin. And so for a person to lead, a, lead another person in believing in Christ's, payment, Christ's sacrifice without believing in sin is to lead them to believe only part of the gospel. But for us to believe the whole part of the gospel, we have to believe that He came and died for sinners. Song leader musician comes, sin always brings division. I wish it wasn't so, but it always does.